The CEO of Lemlist, Guillaume Mubesh, recently turned down a $30 million deal that a private equity firm was offering into his company. $15 million of it was going to be secondary, meaning each of the three founders could take $5 million each. The other $15 million was going to go directly into the business at a $70 million pre-money valuation, $85 million post-money valuation. The company just broke $5.5 bucks of actually $6 million in annual recurring revenue. Now, Guillaume and the founders said no. And the question is why? We do the exclusive story in the new issue of Latka Magazine, which you can get right now at nathanlatka.com forward slash magazine. But for today's podcast episode, I thought it'd be interesting to go back and listen to how Guillaume talked about the business seven months ago. Enjoy. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Guillaume Mubesh. If you haven't heard of him or his company, he's running a tool called Lemlist, which is growing extremely quickly. Just broke two million bucks in ARR, and maybe north of that. Uh, it's a platform that helps sales teams book more meetings and close more deals with their prospects. In less than two and a half years, again, they've grown that team to eight thousand plus customers uh, without any funding. Totally bootstrapped. He's also the founder of the Sales Automation Family which he calls the coolest and biggest Facebook community about sales automation. Guillaume, you ready to take us to the top? Of course I am, Nathan. Thanks for having me. You do have a bit of a cool factor to you. You, you stay very close to customers. You record videos in that group every day. You engage with them. How do you have so much time to stay so engaged with 8,000 customers? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not alone, first of all. So I have a great team helping me out. But I think for me, it has always been important that our users are really successful. So... I invest all my time and energy in that specific purpose and I don't do anything else. So I try to say no to many things that are irrelevant to, to helping our customers. And uh, so my focus is very narrow. What's like the number one thing that you get asked about that you, you have to just continue to decline over and over again? Um, I guess like I keep helping. I don't do that to all of, for all of our customers, but I keep helping people if they are in need, you know, for advice on how to set up, you know, their outbound pipeline. So that's something where I'm doing like kind of like free consulting sessions, uh, depending on, on some customers where I could just like spend maybe like, uh, either 20 minutes recording a video for a customer, like going through his, uh, cold email templates, see how things are set up, all these type of things and always trying to help. But I think it's also part of the DNA of the team. So now I'm not the only one doing this and it's easier to scale, I would say. Well, what does the team look like today? How many folks? 
so we were like uh, 12 people when we reached 2 million in ARR. And uh, in September 2020, we're going to be 19 people. Okay, so 12 right now. How many engineers? Uh, engineer team is uh, my two co-founder plus uh, two more people and three more people now. So it's five total. Five total. Interesting. And do you have any quota carrying sales reps or no? They're just they just focus on helping helping your customers. Uh, so we have like two person in the support that I'm going to call like outreach experts. Uh, we have one uh, sales like SDR. Uh, was in charge of outbound prospecting and then the rest is more like growth and marketing so content and uh, helping users to to basically find the best resources and be successful in their sales uh, sales prospecting Guillaume, do any of them carry a quota or no uh what do you mean like the for the sales a sales target yeah yeah of course yeah like uh, rsdr like she has a, a quota of of a deal that she too close okay so there's one quota carrying person sort of on your team yeah, and then it's more like uh, we have objectives and goals, but based on the growth, like monthly growth. So everyone is basically like uh, incentivized on the same goal, which is MRR. How do you incentivize that? It's not easy to get these incentive structures, right? Yeah, so we do that uh, per quarter. So we have like, uh, we do that exactly the same as way like uh, we incentivize like sales team. So it's, uh, for example... Because I know a lot of people, you know, they're trying to uh, put bonuses on number of uh, qualified leads, uh, marketing qualified leads, sales qualified leads. But I think this is a bit bullshit. I think it's too complicated. And I think people tend to always optimize things based on. So, for example, if I tell you, you need to reach that, that amount of uh, marketing qualified leads. What you're going to try to do is book, let's say, as many meetings you can for your sales team. However, the quality of the lead is not going to be that great. However, if everyone is focused on growing the MRR and then we set up like the MRR goal at the beginning of each quarter, now everyone is focused on one thing, which is revenue and revenue for us equals profit. So it's like everyone goes to the same direction. And I think it's like a, it's a better way to incentivize. So we have like different levels and each level you reach, you will get a bonus and then you have like higher levels and higher bonuses. Can you walk us through this a bit more? So June uh, end of the second quarter, you guys, it sounds like broke that 2 million run rate right around there. That's an easy number to talk to. So your team meeting at the end of Q2 and you're setting goals for Q3, what is the new MRR target for Q3, Q4? Yeah, so I, our goal essentially was to do like uh, 5x from um, December 2019 up to like uh, December 2020. So the, the monthly goal, is, I think it's around like uh, 14 to 60% uh, each month, month over month growth rate. So I think it's 16% to reach like 5x more or less. Uh, and basically like uh, this is a goal for the year. So we don't really adapt anything. Uh, so the growth, for ah. example, if it's faster uh, and then we, we cut it per quarter. So for example, if the growth was like faster, uh, in, uh, let's say, I don't know, like, uh, April and March or like in Q2, if the growth is faster than 16%, then, you know, like the, the goal at the end of, uh, of Q3, it would still be the same as I decided at the beginning of the year. I see. So what, what was revenue in December of 2019? So in, uh, December, 2019, we were around, uh, a bit less than a million. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. think it was like uh, 600k or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so it's six times, uh, yeah, well, it's something like, uh, yeah, 600K ARR or something. 
Yeah, because so you came on to in in March of last year, and yeah. you were at about two hundred fifty thousand in MRR. So yeah. through last year, you you three x or maybe more than three x. And what you're saying is between December of last year when you're at six hundred in ARR and two or three months from now in December of this year. That's yeah. crazy, by the way. We have like three months yeah. left, four months <laughs> left in the year. But end of this year, you want to be up in the like you know two point five three million ARR range. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's what's the, the reward? How do you incent the team? So let's say they hit everyone hits the goal. What's the reward? Uh, they get like a bonus on their salary and uh, a big smile. <laughs> yeah, I like the smile part. But there are people that are going to listen to this and are going to want to are going to want to copy you because they're going to like the model. They're going to agree with you that like MQL, you know, things are like bullshit to, to incentivize these things. So let's say let's not talk about any one of your individual employees, but let's say I was one of your employees and my base was 50,000 a year just hypothetically and we yeah. hit this goal. What would I yeah. make on top of the 50k? Uh, so the goal, the goal is basically, uh, let me say it's like 25. So it's, it's, uh, every quarter you can get 25% of your salary of your monthly salary. Yeah. Every quarter I can get, yeah. so what is that? What would that mean? Let's make my salary easier. Let's say it's a hundred grand. The numbers are just easier. So what would that actually yeah. mean? So it, it would mean that, uh, you can, so if it's a hundred grand, it means, let's say, let's say 120. So it's 10 K each month. Yep. Uh, it would essentially mean that per year, if you reach your goal, you can get like a, a bonus a bit higher than 10% at the end of the year. Got it. If you so reach your goal each quarter, the total would be a bit more than 10%. So a bit more than 10 uh, K. I see. I see. I see. So if, if I help the team hit our, our 15 to 16% monthly growth goal or 5x yeah. year over year goal, I will make an extra maybe 12 grand on my 120k salary. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, and uh, the, the, on, the only reason I would uh, readjust the goal uh, is if the first two quarter we wouldn't hit the, the target. So for example, because I know like Q1 is really strong, Q2 is also really strong for us. I know Q3 is... Uh, Sometimes a bit like less strong because you have July and August where uh, those are the months where we see like we sometimes see like uh, small companies, uh, especially like cheap French bastard uh, that usually decide to churn and come back in September. So it's uh, it's uh, it's usually like a bit less growth in July, August, more people on holiday. But then I know like uh, September is strong and then again, December is a bit less strong. But uh, I know October and November are really strong as well. Interesting. Okay. So how many customers are you now serving today? Uh, so regarding our customers, so um, we, we launched, you know, on AppSumo. So essentially like that, that was kind of like our, uh, let's say uh, bootstrap round of funding. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and at that time we had, uh, so I would say like 8,000 something customers. And basically now uh, you would add, so those were not recurring, those were mainly like a lifetime user. In recurring, we have like uh, more than 3,000 companies paying on a, on a monthly basis and total customer is more than uh, 10,000. Got it. Yeah. So 3,000 recurring, then you have five, six, seven, 8,000 or so from that AppSumo lifetime yeah, deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I absolutely. See. Did yeah, you yeah. uncover any strategy that was particularly effective in converting the AppSumo one-timers to re true recurring plans? A lot of people that go through AppSumo, they, the ones that yeah. love it are the ones that convert them to recurring well. The ones that hate it are the ones that don't end up converting them well. Yeah, I, I think it's very tough to convert a, a lifetime deal user into a paying customer. The only way to do that would be like to frustrate most of them and say like, 
try to upsell them on speci- on specific feature. Uh, for us, we're really like uh, very honest in what we served when we decided to make that lifetime deal. So we said, you're going to get all the upgrades because that's why, you know, we decided like we launched with you guys, you helped us have the foundation of our community and we're okay with that. Uh, we could be like very sneaky and try to say like, yeah, if you want to get that type of feature, you have to become like a paying customers. And I'm sure we could convert some of them, but I wouldn't feel like fair. So I prefer having them are really like strong advocate advocates and just keep focusing on getting like more people because the market is like so huge. We don't really need to to go after those customers, I think. Mm-hmm. And remind everyone. So when you did launch on AppSumo, what was the lifetime plan? Do you remember how much? Yeah, so it, it was like uh, they were paying like $49 uh, to get like the, the lifetime. At that time, we were not charging any of our customers. So it was actually like... Uh, the best way for us to launch and start making money, get users, get feedback. And within two weeks, we made uh, something around like $170,000, which was like really good, you know, like uh, to start a, a SaaS yeah. company. It's uh, it's quite nice. That was net to you after the AppSumo fee, right? No, no, no. So that was like uh, revenue and AppSumo took around like 70% of that. But then we did another round with uh, AppSumo and uh, we made like... Uh, uh, we made another like two hundred and thousand, two hundred thousand dollar sales, and I think so. Total, total with AppSumo, essentially, we made I think uh, one hundred and fifty k. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. doing the math, you take forty nine bucks for that lifetime deal times yeah. eight thousand customers is basically yeah. four hundred thousand dollars in total sales. And yeah. if AppSumo is keeping about seventy percent, you would make yeah. somewhere in the one hundred to one hundred fifty k from that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Second deal was a bit different uh, percentage, but yeah, around yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Mm. No, good, good, good way to good way to do it if you can make the make the numbers work. So, okay, so three thousand recurring customers now today, and what are they paying on average per month? Uh, so right now they're around like um, yeah something in dollars. It would be maybe like sixty dollar or something. Okay, and what do they get? So, so we haven't actually talked about what Lemless does. What does Lemless do? What are they paying for? So Lemlist basically allows you to automate your multi-channel outreach strategy. So you can start sending emails, sending like messages on LinkedIn, uh, create tasks, you know, for your sales team so they can do calls as well. That's like the the, the latest version of Lemlist, which is called Lemlist 3.0, where we're basically like uh, we have onboarded about like 200 companies on that wow. uh, on that latest version, uh, and it's not live for everyone yet. Uh, because initially, as you know, we were just uh, focusing on cold emails and now we're expanding towards like the entire like sales automation. Cause as you can guess, we're going a bit up market on the, on the customers. Uh, so yeah. And any, uh, you, you're still bootstrapped, right? Yeah, still bootstrapped. So basically like, um, right now we're making, you know, like each month, uh, we're making a bit more than a hundred thousand dollar profits. Yeah. Uh, so because like our fixed costs are very small, like we spend only money on the servers. We don't spend any money on paid ads uh, or paid acquisition or anything else. And our employees are contractors. So essentially it's like uh, our, the, the biggest chunk of the fixed cost is basically the, the founder salary. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, the rest is, uh, is profit and in the bank. So we're pretty like uh, happy with cash. What do you, so what do you, as a founder that I assume you and your two other co-founders, you, you guys own hundred percent of the company basically, right? Yeah. We all have like a third of the company. 
Yeah. So when you guys get together and go, Hey guys, we have an extra hundred grand in the bank. Now there's like 700 grand sitting in the bank. That's obviously not a good use of cash to let it just sit there <laughs> outside of making you feel comfortable, which there is value to that. But what do you yeah. do with it? Do, do you give it out as dividends? Do you reinvest it? What do you do with it? Yeah. So we, we take, uh, we take the cash for ourselves and, uh, and make like, uh, so first thing is, uh, we try to make ourselves very comfortable because, uh, as you said, I think like being in the, being in comfort with your company, I think it's quite nice because you make like smarter decision. Uh, second is give ourselves dividends and uh, do like some of our personal investments. So buying houses, etc. Uh, and then obviously it's, uh, it's a big part right now, especially with the new strategy and it's to invest in uh, hiring more people. So that's why, you know, we go like from 12 to like 19 in, uh, in the next months. Mm -hmm. It's basically to start growing, hiring and, uh, building like better processes to grow, to keep the same growth rate essentially. Mm -hmm. What would you value the company at today? If you were going to value it? I think to be honest, like, uh, it's basically like, let's say we're at, I mean, we're north of 2 million AR, but uh, I think it's like 7 million, 7 to 8 million. Um, mm. if I have to be very like, uh, reasonable, I would say, cause, yeah. um, it would be like uh, something if you are, if you're like super reasonable on our market and based on our growth, I would say like, uh, three to four X AR is uh, something that's like the, would say low end five X would be high ends. So. Yeah. So if someone listening right now, there's a lot of private equity folks that listen, came and offered 7 million all cash up front. So it was a clean <laughs> deal, no earnout. I mean, would yeah. you have to think seriously about that with your co-founders? Uh, no, <laughs> no, no. It's, uh, it's, it's just because like our strategy is, uh, is really like long-term and, uh, there is so many things that needs to be changed in the, especially in the sales automation space where I, I, I really feel like, um, a lot of people have said so much bullshit about the entire, you know, like uh, sales field overall. It's, um, I think there is a lot of wrong things, you know, like a lot of people think that to be a good salesman, you need to be like a man, you need to be strong, you need to play sports, etc., etc. But actually, when you look at, you know, like all the studies, you see that best salespeople are introvert, best salespeople are usually women. And you are like, it's for me, it's like just a fake image of what sales is about. Lots of people think that sales, you know, it's like ABC, always be closing. Actually, it's the opposite. You know, you should always be helping people, try to provide as much value as possible, etc. And I think like um, we have so many, like so much more to do in that space that we want to stay and grow the company for at least like three to five years. And later on, when I would feel like we've done a great job and things are changing, maybe, you know, I'll consider like a, an exit. Can you correlate your belief that the current knowledge out there about sales is not accurate with real product decisions you made in the past four months at Lemless? Can you talk about one of them? Yeah, definitely. So if, for example, if you look like at, uh, at most companies, what they're saying at their tagline is like, put your sales on autopilot. First of all, like that's, that's what they focused on. We focus on the relationship and an implementation was our key differentiator. So from day one, we implemented dynamic photos and uh, videos that you could implement straight into your emails just to make the email more human. And we started, you know, from the, from the ground up in the product, building our, our product around that, helping people, you know, like uh, build warmer relationship, giving them tips within the product. Right now, we're also going to start like putting some gamification within the task people have to do. And because I think like sales is amazing for gamification because the, the better you do actions and spend time on researching your prospect, the higher 
your booking rate is going to be, and hence your bonus will be higher as well. So I think it's like literally the best place to have fun while doing something, you know, like uh, and care about people. And uh, and that's basically all the things we we're implementing. So small things within the platforms that makes it more human, like uh, little comments whenever you're doing specific actions, et cetera, et cetera, just so, so people feel more comfortable and uh, happier in their job also. Are customers sticking once they start paying? What's your revenue churn look like on a gross basis? So like for me, I don't think it's a question we can answer like straight to the point just because like it's, um, I prefer answering in terms of persona and churn. So um, basically sales team that are with more than sales people, more than five sales people. So from five to let's say 30 or 50, that's kind of our sweet spot. And those people are not churning. Like we have negative uh, net MR churn. So something around like minus five, minus 6%. Uh, however, if you look at also a big chunk of our business, which are uh, smaller, um, smaller like uh, business, so I would say like startup, uh, less than 10 people, etc. The churn is around like maybe 10%, but the net MRR churn is basically around like maybe 3 to 4%. Because we see those people, for example, as I said, they're going to say, hey guys, we love the product, uh, we're churning because it's August. But no worries, we're coming back in September. And they come back in September, you know. And sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, we finished our campaigns. We're going to come back in one or two months. And you see them come back. So every time I look at the... So we have like a questionnaire when someone churns. And every time I see like someone leaving, it's usually because they're going to come back and they're just short on cash or just, you know, like watching their spendings. But for the customers we're really targeting and where we're really focusing, they don't leave. What are you paying fully weighted to get a new $80 a month customer, would you, would you say? Uh, so our CAC, it's difficult because, um, as I said, like we don't spend anything on ads. So our CAC is more linked to, let's say, like the, um, the time we spent and based on our salary. So I don't, I don't really put a number on it, to be honest. I could yeah. say, you know, based on, uh, based on you know, like... Uh, How many on, community uh, managers you have or something. Yeah, exactly. So on the, for example, our sales rep, for example, she's going to bring like, uh, yeah, she, she's going to bring. So I would say like, yeah, it depends again on the size of the customers, but she can bring maybe like 40 to, to 50, like uh, new seats, uh, every, every month. Uh, so it's like, uh, something around like 2k divided by 50, you see. So it's like uh, 40 bucks, something yeah, like yeah. that. Obviously that those make a lot of sense. Um, Last question I want to talk to you about before we wrap up. You, there's a lot of B2B SaaS brands that are trying to create communities. Some just flop and it's horrendous. Others do extremely well. I'd put you in the extremely well category, just watching you build community. What's sort of been, there is no secret. I mean, it's hard work and it takes a, it's clear yeah. it takes a lot of your time. But where should a founder that wants to do what you do in terms of community building, where should they spend the majority of their time? To be honest, I think it's really like, uh, first it's spending time with your users and understanding what their need is. And then it's keep providing value and don't get discouraged because like right now, when people like go to our communities, they see like almost 10,000 people, they see the videos that I post, get like thousands of you, a lot of engagements or like, oh yeah, it's a great community. If you scroll down to the very, very bottom of the videos, I was posting videos with like 10 views, uh, one comment. I remember, I remember those. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm going to watch carefully and see if he stays consistent. And that's going to be the leading indicator of if two years from now, these are going to be getting 10K views. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you see, like, it's, it's really, I think, about consistency. And 
again, like for me, community has never been something where I wanted to measure like uh, the ROI. I just know within like me that it's going to bring something long term. And if I keep providing value to our users, because, you know, like I see a lot of people and a lot of companies that want to be like super data driven and I like it. But I think in some cases it's not possible. For example, if you just say like, okay, what's what the benefit of someone in the community? You could measure people in the community that became customers. Fine. That's a good indicator. But do you measure all the people from the community that are talking to other people about your brand? So it's like you're going to put that in word of mouth when actually it comes from the community. Yeah. So it's um, for me, it's a bit complex. And I think it's uh, at some point, you know, as a business owner, when you think you're doing the right thing, you just go with it and 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 stick to it. Tactical question here. Where in your onboarding process do you let people know about the Facebook community and encourage them to join? It's uh, around the second email, I think. Yeah. Okay. So Which is how yeah. many days usually after they uh, start the trial? Yeah, two days. Two days. Yeah. Two, two days Interesting. The, 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 yeah. Do you we know really want to people to, to the community. Do you know off the top of your head, if you send 100 of those emails in a day, how many will go join the community? I think it's, uh, yeah, around like 10%. We have 10% click rate, so it's it's around that number. That's healthy. And why Facebook versus a Slack group or Comsor or one of these other platforms, LinkedIn groups? So LinkedIn groups are terrible. Uh, LinkedIn, are they're like so bad with it. Like the reach is is just very, very sad. I think Facebook is great because you can do live stream in Facebook uh, and you get also like the all the basically live streaming in Facebook is very easy because uh, you have people asking questions. You also keep the video on Facebook. So you have the like, the social proofs, etc. Uh, that's something I don't see in Slack. It's basically the social proof, which I think sometimes is lacking. And for example, I know that everyone goes on Facebook and on Messenger, whereas I wouldn't go on, fa- on Slack just, you know, to chill and be in a, a very fl- friendly way. Like I have some Slack communities that I visit, but my life is more on Facebook uh, if I want to see like updates from friends, Instagram as well, but still, you know. Oh, good. You guys got to check out this guy's Instagram. He's going to make you feel, I was telling him, he makes <laughs> me feel fat and tired and sleepy with all the running and canoeing and basketballing and all this stuff. All right, Guillaume, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, actually, like I read uh, Lost and Founder from uh, Ren Fishkin. Really enjoyed it. So I highly recommend it. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying besides Rand? Uh, I like to follow you nice and to be honest, (laughs) (laughs) I'm all kinds of crazy. Be careful. (laughs) No, no, really. Because in terms of content creation and also how you manage your uh, schedule and everything, I think uh, it's, uh, it's quite impressive. Thank you. It's nice of you. Uh, number three, besides Lemlist, what's your favorite online tool for building the company? Uh, notion, notion is really like uh, the best tool, like for the team building processes, et cetera. It's uh, our go-to tool. Yeah. Guillaume, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, eight, a good eight. Yeah. That's good. And situation married, single kids, uh, single. Okay. Uh, any, no kids running around? No kids that I know of. (laughs) (laughs) And how old are you, Guillaume? Uh, I'm 29. 29. All right. Last question. What's something you wish you knew nine years ago when you were 20? Uh, start your own company sooner, just go out there, fail, fail. And then one day, eventually you, you get, uh, you get there. 
Guys, Lemless is helping sales team do sales the right way. You don't have to be extroverted. You don't have to be crazy. You don't have to always be closing. You can just add value. He's building a product with that in mind. They were doing uh, about $600,000 in terms of ARR back in December of 2019. Now, just call it eight, nine months later, they're already up to about 2 million in ARR with eyes on 2.5 or 3 million in ARR by the end of this year. They've done this all bootstrap, profiting almost a hundred grand per month, going to the bottom line. Team of 12 people, five engineers. Uh, one quota carrying sales rep plans to expand the team here to introduce some new product lines. But recently, Lemos 3.0 just came out. I encourage you guys to check it out. Guillaume, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks a lot, Nathan.